Masters Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. I'm Adam Masters. It's great to have you here. With Australia's inflation figures on the rise, all eyes are fixed on May 3rd. It's the date of the next meeting of the Reserve Bank of Australia. The RBA had previously indicated that it would hold on any rate hikes until after the upcoming federal election. But with inflation and associated concerns on the rise, the RBA may be forced into action sooner than initially forecast. So where do things stand? And what can we expect in the coming weeks? What are the political implications of a hike in the middle of an election campaign? AMP's Chief Economist Dr Shane Oliver is back with his latest thoughts on what it all means for investors, the market and Australia more broadly. Now before I hand over to Shane, a quick reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. Thanks, Adam, and good day, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about inflation. Obviously, that's a big issue globally, but also in Australia, we saw the March quarter inflation numbers released by the ABS show inflation at 5.1%, which is, is its highest level since the GST was introduced over 20 years ago. Here, big factors driving that, but the biggest, of course, is petrol up 11% in the quarter. But unfortunately, the rises were broad-based. It wasn't just a few one-offs. The underlying inflation rate, the Reserve Bank's preferred measure of what they call underlying, is the trim mean. Uh, And that basically um, is a statistical measure which removes the extreme increases. So you get an idea as to what the underlying trend is. But unfortunately, it also rose to 3.4%. We had almost 60% of categories see a greater than 3% increase. So the increase was pretty broad-based. And in fact, there's a whole bunch of categories that saw solid increases. Vegetables, fruit, meat and seafood, soft drinks and juices, new dwellings, non-durable household goods like toilet paper and paper towels, pets and pet products. Everyone's been buying pets these days. And tertiary education all saw price increases in the range of 5 to 7% in the quarter. And that's the quarter, not the annualised rate. That's the quarter alone. So very big increases there. Bunch of factors driving this. We've seen supply disruptions globally, mostly due to the pandemic. And that's collided with very strong goods demand as people couldn't spend on services. So they spent up on goods like household furnishings and equipment for their office and so on. Um, Then we've seen floods impacting food prices and war in Ukraine impacting commodity prices. So all of these things have collided to give us this surge in inflation. There's a few homegrown factors, I guess, in Australia. We've seen the removal of home builder grants, which has seen the cost of home building go up and also those adjustments to tertiary education fees, university fees, basically, which also led to an increase in the average price. But the main factors are global. Some of these may be temporary, but the problem is that the longer inflation stays up, the harder it will be to get it back down. We saw this in the 1970s when inflation started to pick up in the late 60s, got uh, underway, steadily trending higher in the 1970s. The problem is central banks, governments never really got it under control. Then we got whacked by the OPEC oil crisis and inflation went off into the stratosphere. Well, not quite, but uh, double digit inflation rates uh, were seen in the 1970s into the early, early 80s. So that took a long time to get back down again. Um, and highlights the problem in letting inflation expectations get out of control. Right now, we're seeing several countries around the world with very high inflation rates. The US, 8.5%, Eurozone, 7.5%, and 7% 
or thereabouts in the UK, Canada and New Zealand. So not just a problem in Australia. In fact, we're at the low end, although we have been playing catch up. So a bit of a problem there. And the big risk is the longer this stays up, even though it's driven by mainly supply factors, the more it will boost inflation expectations and the harder it will be to get back down. So central banks are thinking, well, we've got to respond to this. Even though there's not much we can do about the, uh, the rise in world oil prices, they have to signal that, uh, that they're committed to keeping inflation down. And of course, you could also argue that uh, if you think about Australia, that we've got an economy which has been very strong, recovered very strongly from the pandemic. We've got unemployment at 4%, really gets as low as that. And of course, we've now got inflation at 5%. And at the same time, we've got the cash rate at 0.1%. So which is the odd one out? Probably the cash rate at 0.1%. It needs to start going up. And we think the Reserve Bank will probably start doing that next week. Now, the Reserve Bank, I think, would prefer to delay, wait till after the election is out of the way, wait till it gets the wages data on May the 18th. Um, but the problem is that the pickup in inflation has been so much more than expected. And I think it's now in a situation where it really has to act. In fact, not acting in May will probably lead to accusations that maybe it is being politically influenced um, and therefore it's probably less political to just get it out of the way and start raising interest rates, which is what ultimately it's going to have to do anyway. Big debate then becomes, well, by how much? The current cash rate is 0.1%. There's a general feeling the Reserve Bank wants to get back to increments around 0.25%, which means the first move will either be to take the cash rate back to 0.25 or to 0.5%. Um, either a 0.15% increase or therefore a 0.4% increase is necessary to do that. We think that a 0.15% move is probably not enough to signal its resolve and it would make more sense to do 0.4% upfront. But I must admit this is a close call um, and I'm not going to argue the, the case strongly either way, although my bias is towards the 0.4% and that is our expectation. And I think it's also consistent with what the Reserve Bank of New Zealand calls a stitch in time approach. You know, the, the more aggressively you move up front, um, you can probably afford to go slower a bit later on and therefore do less damage to the economy. So I think there is a strong case to do that. Either way, I think by the end of the year, the cash rate will probably be up around 1.5%. So what's all this gonna mean for the economy? History has told us that the economy can grow at least initially through interest rate hikes because interest rates will still be low. And I think the same thing will apply this time around. So we're not forecasting an imminent recession. Um, overly tight or onerous interest rates are a long way away. What about the property market? Our view is that property prices are going to fall 10 to 15% over the next 18, 24 months. And that's probably already started in Sydney and Melbourne. And the main driver there is poor affordability and now rising interest rates. Those rises in interest rates have already occurred at a fixed level. That's already happening. They've roughly doubled. It's now going to start occurring at a variable rate level. And the main problem here is that people won't be able to borrow as much and therefore pay as much as they could say 12 months ago. And that's going to act as a drag on property prices, even though I'm not expecting a big increase in defaults and delinquencies and forced sales. Therefore, although that may be a risk if interest rates do go up too much, but we don't think that's going to happen. The Reserve Bank doesn't operate in isolation here. It doesn't want to crash the economy and property market. It just wants to cool things down. So that's why we're sticking to that view that rates will come down 10 to 15 percent and the Reserve Bank won't raise interest rates on autopilot to some preconceived overly high level of interest rates. What about the share market? Shares historically have been able to go up through interest rate hikes. We saw that in 2002 to 2007. 
Once they get to onerous levels, then it's a different story, but we're a long way away from that. So I think share markets can continue to rise. What higher interest rates will do is that they will take momentum away, and this has already been happening with higher bond yields, away from those parts of the share market that are dependent or have benefited from very low interest rates, such as tech stocks, and maybe some of the high yield plays in the share market. So I might leave it there. I hope that's been of some value. Until the next podcast, and we meet again, adios. Dr. Shane Oliver there with his latest Oliver's Insights. So, all eyes on the RBA ahead of their next meeting in the first week of May. Now, to stay up to date on all of the latest from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing series more broadly, subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite streaming platform. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, a quick reminder, all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. That's why it's important that you seek out tailored financial advice that is relevant to your personal circumstances before making any important financial decisions.